You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we welcome you back into a Tuesday edition of Locked On Syracuse. Football season up and running, and now we've got a lot more to talk about during the week here. We're here with you every single weekday, Monday through Friday, Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky. You can follow the show on Twitter, as always, that is at LO underscore Syracuse. Please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, drop five stars, all that Tell good friends stuff. friends, too. Yes, we appreciate everyone listening. I apologize a little bit to, to the listeners yesterday. We, we, I think we were venting. I mean, I, I shouldn't think, even apologize. No, no, no apologies necessary. I think right? that's the, how The only apologies that need bit. to come are from the people out, out at uh, Ensley Fieldhouse, okay? You're right. <laughs> You're right. Well... Those people spoke today. We got to see Dino behind the mic again. His weekly press conference dropped as it does. We're talking in lockdown time. So you're listening to this on Tuesday, but he spoke on Monday. A little bit about Pittsburgh. We'll get into his comments today. And then we'll get into the defense, too. So I feel like this will be a little bit more positive of a podcast, maybe, because we're not talking about No, because we're talking about the the defense. I have some positive things and things to take away that I actually really liked from the defense, but there, there's still plenty of concern on that side of the ball as well. Yeah. No, I think I'm with you for the most part. We kind of talked about that a little bit. So we'll dive more into what we saw from the defense against UNC. First off, though, these Dino comments, we should mention the depth chart comes out on Monday morning, as we expect it will throughout this season. And it's the exact same depth chart. No changes in terms of where people slot in. Literally, the only thing that I noticed that was a difference, and I saw some people joking about this on Twitter. I don't know this if you saw hilarious. this, Ty. This is yeah. hilarious. Chris Elmore has has magically gained 20 pounds and five inches in the depth chart. It looks like they almost just messed up and copied Pat Davis's measurables and because it's the same. I think they have him 6'5", 315 now or something, which we all know Chris Elmore is still six feet tall. Dino... Did praise him a little bit in the press conference this week, though. But I, I did get a kick out of that, how Elmore is now. It's almost like, how do you do that? Because if it's going to be the exact same depth chart as last week, and you know that, like, wouldn't you just find the photo from last week and tweet that out again? I mean, sometimes the excuse juice, it can really add a couple pounds, add, add a couple <laughs> inches to you as well. So, I mean, that the tap was spilling, okay? It was. <laughs> when you, you yeah. see it again in this press conference as well. And I think there's one quote that particularly stands out to me when when he was talking about this, but he says, Syracuse, or this, I'm reading off a tweet from Stephen Bailey. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but Babers implies Syracuse is, a bit of, is at a bit of a disadvantage here, having shown a full game of tape to Pitt, whereas the Panthers beat up on Austin P 55 to nothing. Are, Don't like, we is play that, Pitt is that, every year? <laughs> isn't that going to be referenced at the after a loss? And I saw that the line, the Vegas line, Tim, we were talking about it yesterday. It opened at 19, 19 and a half. It's already sprouted yep. to 21 and a half. And while two points, two and a half points may not seem like a lot, those are important numbers if you're privy to football gambling. When you move a line in increments of touchdowns or field goals, you're moving over that 21 and a half. And, and that's an important number. Um, in football gambling and football spreads. So when you see that, I mean, this this Pitt team, and we're going to break them down a lot more as we move throughout the week, but they're very, very good defensively. I mean, that shutout, you may say, oh, well, it's Austin P. Well, they could shut out the Syracuse team too. But yeah. 
when I hear something like that, it's just, why are you building up the resume right now? Like if you're football team hears you saying that oh well we're actually already playing like it feels like you're putting this team down 21 and a half points to start all right don't let let vegas take care of that don't do that as the head coach of your own football team yeah it's almost like dino does this where he just wants everyone to feel neutral all the time when the team was playing really well like remember after the Liberty game last year all the praise was about the defense and then the defense turned out to be pretty bad well he came out and said, like, I think you guys are overblowing the D-line a little bit and all those sacks and praising the shutout. Like, I wouldn't, I think they're a little better or a little worse than you guys are making them out to be. So he'll he'll knock you down a couple pegs or he'll knock the team down a couple pegs if he gets the chance. He hasn't had that chance in a while. And now what he does is he's trying to get everyone to realize, like, all these things that are going against them right now, which... I think we do realize that. We, we all understand this is yeah, not it, a great situation. I don't but, disagree with what he said. Like, Syracuse yeah. is at a disadvantage, but I don't think it's because of the fact that you've got a full game of tape and Pitt doesn't. No, they're right. at a disadvantage because Pitt's just a much better football team with a lot higher expectations. And, I mean, they're not going to go to the ACC championship this year, but could they finish second in the division? Absolutely they can. They're that good of a football team. So he was asked a lot about the offense, what went wrong, basically, what went wrong with Tommy DeVito, where is his level at with DeVito. He basically said, long story short, that DeVito, he thinks, will be better. You're always better in your second game than your first game in resp- in like the context of the season. So he's kind of like almost given DeVito some more time a little bit, which I didn't love to hear. And he said there was a lot of penetration from UNC. There's no denying that. He, he went out of his way to say that UNC, I know Darius Joshua kind of asked him the question and said UNC has a pretty good line, so how tough is that? And then he stopped him and was like, no, let's not use PG. Let's, let's not use pretty good. Like, that's a really good line, and Pitt's a really good line. So it kind of goes back to the same thing where he's trying to make sure everyone realizes just how good these teams are, and, and we kind of realize that. But overall, what we're like your big takeaways from this press conference. Well, so it was what I just said. And then he he did call out the offensive line saying that they need to be better. And, you know, it is a problem because he was talking about about Chris Elmore. And when Chris Elmore is one of your best players and he's touting him as one of those guys, that's a real, real non-endorsement for the rest of the offensive line, in my opinion. When you're moving a guy from fullback to left guard and he is, you're going to, put him in there and he's one of your best offensive players in the eyes of Dino Babers. If I'm the rest of the offensive line, that means I got to raise my game. All right. And I'm not saying that Dino's out here taking a shot at the offensive line, even though he did kind of hint at it a little bit saying that they they just need to get a better push up front. But this offensive line obviously needs to improve. Tommy DeVito's decision-making and his mobility in and out of the pocket also need to improve. And then there's one other thing that I found interesting um but the when he says there won't be significant scheme personnel changes yeah. made before week two and while some people may say well you just got flattened a week ago 31 to 6 something's got to change well what would you change that that's what i think about every time i hear that is what would you change about this team on the depth chart i think it's just a limited team that's what this is it's they don't have as much talent as most of the teams in the ACC. And again, that's a byproduct of the recruiting struggles. 
And then on top of that, you're playing, I mean, we kind of went over our depth chart stuff. I think you're putting the best 22 guys out there. And then, of course, special teams as well. But I think you're, for the most part, putting out the best 22 guys. And the best players on the team are seeing the significant snaps. There's not much you can change in the personnel with this team. Yeah, a lot of people are hollering about getting the tight ends more involved. And I've I've been one of them as well. He did address that and said that basically that could change week to week. In this particular matchup, they went with a lot of four wide receiver sets, which didn't mean that they, it meant that they weren't going to be on the field as much as maybe they will be against say pet. And that's just what he thought was the best situation was sort of spreading it out wide against North Carolina. But with in that four matchup. receiver sets too. I don't mind if I have Aaron Hackett or Luke Benson as one of those fourth guys out there as a quasi receiver, because guess what? They can move, maybe not like yeah, receivers, especially but Benson. put them up the seams and I think you've got some really, really talented pass catchers across the board. They're just not given the opportunity. And again, it's tough to to go up the seams when you have one or two seconds to throw, it feels like at times. But, I mean, Tommy DeVito has some sort of chemistry with those tight ends, okay? Because, sure, the it, it felt like it was either Tristan Jackson scoring or a receiver was not scoring. But the tight ends accounted for nine touchdowns last year. And... When I see that number, that's, that speaks a lot of volumes to me because I, I think that th- this tight end group is pretty special. And I know there's that waiver and Aaron Hackett can come back for another year if he wants to, but you've got a limited time to utilize what I think could be a very effective two tight end set. I mean, think back, and this this comparison is going to sound awful, but think back to like the Gronkowski-Hernandez Patriots. <laughs> like That is kind of what this team has in terms of the skill on the field. Like, they have two very good tight yeah, ends. Yeah, tight ends could be a safety there. blanket, too, and, to a bad and offensive along with line. that, I mean, I think it's pretty similar to what the, the Cleveland Browns kind of have in their tight end room as well when you look at an Austin Hooper and a David Njoku. Now, Njoku just went on in the yeah. injury list, but those are two quality tight ends, but it kind of, you feel like the Browns are having the same problems that, the, that Syracuse is having, where it's a problem with the quarterback. And right. that, that that's what I'm looking at right now when I see this team is I think there are some maybe some minor scheme tweaks that could be made. But personnel, I think you're rolling out the best 22 and nothing's going to really change for that unless some people start getting healthier on the offensive line. Yeah, final thing I'll say is that he implied, like you said, that they need one more game. He said, we're going to be steady in what we're doing. Then after this next game, he'll be able to digest some tendencies from some players some more. And then he'll start, quote, putting this thing together. So to me, that means after Pittsburgh, if they get flattened, like I think both you and I are a little bit worried they might, I want him to address that they're changing things after Pittsburgh. I want him to take some ownership and say, all right, this is not acceptable, and we're going to go back and look at the film, and we're not going to roll out that same product. We're going to make some changes. So that's all I'll say on that, I think. I also don't think you can gauge a ton about what this team is through the first two weeks. I I think that Georgia Tech game, that home opener, is going to be a much more indicative sort of thing for this team because when when you look at the first two teams that they're playing, you could argue they're playing two of the top four teams in the ACC. If not four, then five. So yeah. It's not an easy start. And again, we kind of harped on this. The schedule did them no favors when it got re-released. Oh, it's a terrible schedule. You were right. handed five losses out of the on the road. So that's why I think that 
that Georgia Tech game, I'm more intrigued by that. And if there's a problems against the Yellow Jackets, all right, then maybe we need to start really shuffling some things. Yeah, I just, I didn't think they made enough adjustments last year, and I want him to get ahead of it this year. I was disappointed in the adjustments last year, so let's let's actually make some this year if it's heading down the same path. But let's take a quick break, and then we will get into the defense, which was a little bit more promising in that week one matchup. Before we dive into that, though, got to tell you about rockauto.com, the best place to maintain and repair your car on the market right now. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain store front. Do not have to worry about the headache of going to that chain store front anymore. You can go to the same interface they have at rockauto.com. Incredibly easy to navigate, great prices. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go today to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And when you go there, be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Put Locked On, the podcast network here, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Okay, so obviously going into this season, big question mark was the 3-3-5 defense and what it was going to bring. Defense was terrible last year. I think we all were happy that they went out of house. They made some changes. They really shook things up and tried to install some new schemes. Tony White in his first game at Syracuse going against UNC, I'd say, was pretty successful. I mean, especially when you consider that they allowed 10 points in the first three quarters and they got three turnovers. They were winning the turnover battle for sure by the point it got to the game was out of reach. Rex Culpepper tossed one the other way. but So the turnover battle ended up plus two. But Syracuse, we know, likes to force turnovers. Yeah, no, turnovers. I'm with you, though. That, that was a real plus three for the, the turnovers. Yeah, right. And, and I guess one of them was a special teams turnover by UNC. But you had yeah, two interceptions fine. in the game. So Yeah, so two big interceptions. Iffy was kind of the guy who I think really deserves a lot of the credit for the first interception that Jones got, but still credit yep. Jones for being in the right spot. And then Andre Sisco doing his thing, making plays, being a ball. How about that? A little prop chop ching for me on that. I know. One. Yeah. I was, I was a little bummed that I didn't take it when I saw him make Come on, that Tim. catch. It, What's one thing that we always abide by? You follow the trends. He was yep. due for that opener. And I guess he's not going to get one next year because he's probably going to the NFL. But if for some strange, crazy reason, if, if, 2020 rears its ugly head on Syracuse, or I guess on Andre Sisco's football future, and he's back at Syracuse in 2021. You can bet your bottom dollar I will be taking Sisco in the prop shop to get an interception week one. Right. So we'll have to add up the prop shop bets, and we'll always do that on Friday before the game. But anyway, the defense, as expected, was more developed than the offense. That's usually how it goes in camp. That's usually how it goes for every team. So no shocker there. I would say a pretty good result from the defense. I think the consensus right now is everyone is cautiously optimistic to optimistic about the defense. I'm still not fully there because I know they got tired in the fourth quarter, but they showed some bad tackling tendencies. I think they still have a lot of young pieces that I don't want to jump the gun just because UNC did not look like what UNC, like UNC was not a good team in that first half, so I think we have to factor no. that into this discussion. So I, I would just say, let's not go crazy in our optimism about the defense, but obviously this unit looks like it's going to be better than the offense. 
I'm with you there. And there were guys who showed some promising stuff. I thought Steve Linton made a couple of phenomenal plays, getting in the backfield a couple times for uh, some tackles for losses and just disturbing the flow of what UNC was trying to do offensively. Again, UNC was not the UNC we were expecting them to be in those first three quarters. But for them to still, just because UNC didn't look like they were executing their game plan, don't necessarily confuse that to, oh, well, they they just laid flat. Because I also don't think that is necessarily the case as well. And I was encouraged by what I saw through those first three quarters a little bit. I was definitely more encouraged than discouraged because at the end of the day, there were still they still have two guys who are capable 1,000-yard rushers in that UNC backfield. And for the most part, I mean, you held a very good rushing attack to um to 10 points through the first three quarters of the game and then on top of that you're or Sam Howell a guy who let's be honest in, in this season especially when there's a number of good players and, and even some good quarterbacks that are removed from this conversation but Sam Howell very well could be in the Heisman conversation when we get to it um in January so when I take all of that into account were there some bad things that happened in this game absolutely but there were also some good things like I mean, when you look at how, and this was something that really surprised me, and we kind of talked about this off mic, but I was surprised in that first quarter that UNC just attacked Afatu Melifonwu. I mean, it felt like every single pass in that first quarter, until like the three-minute mark, was going at Ify. And, like, did they not watch him two years ago? Ifatu Melifanwu won that game defensively for Syracuse. Tommy DeVito won it offensively, but if he won that game defensively, I believe he had four pass breakups in that game two years ago. And he had a couple more, and like you said, he attributed, or he created that interception for Michael Jones. And I I, I was very, very surprised that that was their initial game plan. And then I thought Garrett Williams, he, he held his own. And Trill Williams yeah, played too. a phenomenal game, too. I mean, no one threw in the direction of Trill Williams. And I think that we're going right. to start seeing that as kind of a trend throughout this season. Yeah, so Garrett Williams played the first half at starting cornerback. Then Neil Nunn comes in for the second half. Not exactly sure. I heard some rumors that Williams was maybe banged up. Dino did say a couple guys were banged up, but of course he didn't name names in that regard. Williams is still on the depth chart as a starter, as we mentioned, going into... This Pittsburgh game, but and they Williams listed leads the three. team in tackles. They listed yeah. three cornerbacks there, too. So that's why I found that kind of interesting. Right, and that's how it was And there were originally. no or designations. I don't know if maybe if that was a, a typo or something, but no or oh, okay. on that depth chart. For, yeah, it was the third the Kyle Strickland, position. right? Uh, it, it was Strickland? Strickland, I think, was there. And then also, of course, uh, Neil Nunn along yeah, with yeah. Garrett Williams, yeah. Which is, I think that's how it lined up in the first depth chart. I don't think mm-hmm. there were any changes at all, like, to the depth chart itself, besides that Elmore thing that we joked about. So, I thought Nunn looked pretty good as well. He made some nice, he made that one nice play in the end zone. He snuffed out, like, a screen pass once. They definitely were rotating bodies on the D-line. My concern, I think, is still the linebacker position. And we should note, I don't know if we've officially said this on the podcast yet, but I'm just for anyone that hasn't seen this, Tyrell Richards... It, he's not opted out. There were a couple things out there that he was opting out. I think I kind of assumed it was heading that way. It seems like he was just suspended by the team, but right now he is just out with an injury, according to Dino, and it's not a season-ending type of thing. He expects to have Richards and Dakota Davis back at some point due to injury. And 
you know, for not having Tyrell Richards, who I thought was going to be probably one of the bigger pass rushers, one of the bigger disruptors at the linebacker position on this roster this year, I thought they looked pretty good. I really liked what I saw from Jeff Canton. Now, he he made some bad plays where he was over-aggressive or a little yeah, hesitant Yeah, coverage he was not great. It's a couple yeah. times he got, when he got put on some bigger receivers, like a, a Bo Corrales, I think he got put on a couple times, and he wasn't great. But Yeah, he got his hands up on one play, which was good right, to see. Because yeah. mm-hmm. he's got a 6'4 frame. I think he definitely has a ton of talent. Koba, I like. I think that's the area, though, where Dino's talking about when he says, I'm maybe going to make some personnel changes. Because the linebacker, to me, is still very much like, Thompson and Linton have to sort of win that battle. Someone has to step up. Yeah, that's an ongoing I, battle that we should watch for the remainder right. of, the, or not the remainder, maybe like the next three, four weeks. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw from both of them. Thompson got banged up for a second, but I think he did remain in the game. Linton, I would say, is definitely going to make some more plays, but he's also going to probably make some more bad plays, if that makes yeah, sense. More he mistakes, very aggressive. Yeah. yeah. It's almost it, like it was... Cisco at the linebacker position. Because, <laughs> right, I mean, yeah. Like Cisco, again, he makes the phenomenal interception, and he, he's a ball hawk. That's what he is. But there were still times when he was shaky in coverage. Like, there were there was that fourth and seven play early, and he was the one that got burned off the line. It's When he's in coverage is when he kind of gets burned a little bit. Um, but yeah, getting back to the times. linebackers, too, um, how Mikel Jones was not ejected, I don't know. Um, that that's about right. as textbook that's of a huge. targeting call <laughs> as you can get. Um, but I, that is an unbelievable break for the orange there. I mean, he should have been tossed out of the game in a heartbeat, but, um, he, he gets to stay in, and not just that, but he, he gets to play the full game next week. Cause again, remember you are ejected for the remainder of the game and then you miss the first half of the next game. If Syracuse wants to sniff any chance of beating Pitt, they need Jones out there. And he made a couple of great plays. You brought up the interception, of course. I thought he was all over the field moving well, tackling as well. Um, But the one thing that I saw with the entire defense that is going to bother me, I think, for probably the entire season, but it's the penalties. I mean, the offsides penalties, what were there, like three or four in the early going that just set this team back? A couple of free plays for Sam Howell that he cashed in on, and... You may be thinking, well, with the no crowd noise, like the offsides, they like that shouldn't be a problem this year. Well, I'd actually argue the opposite because, yeah, because I think I heard Chris them. Collinsworth. Yeah, you're gonna get baited more. I feel like when you have a an empty stadium or a limited capacity crowd, you're gonna get baited more. You're gonna bite on those those hard counts a little bit more than I think than maybe when you have a, a crowd there that can maybe drown out a little bit of what the quarterback is trying to do to you with that hard count. So that's something that I'm interested to see because we know that discipline is not this team's strong suit, especially uh, in the penalty game. So we'll see how that works out for this team. Yeah, it was a pretty much a very bare-bones defensive scheme to me, too. It's not like they incorporated any wrinkles yet and I think that was to be expected going into the game I would say the same about North Carolina it was a lot of man coverage I felt like they did put more guys in the box than maybe we'll see against other opponents and that's just because they understood that UNC has two almost a thousand yard rushers coming back a good offensive line I did hear Sam Howell was commenting uh yesterday about the defense and how they played 
UNC, Syracuse played them to avoid the big pass, and they weren't really allowing any sort of vertical passing, which I think was smart by Tony White to kind of take that out of the game. And for the most part, they took that out of the game, which baby steps, but it's been a while since Syracuse has not gotten burned by a huge vertical pass or something of that like, because, I mean, that happened a lot last year. Now, it shouldn't happen because the defensive backs, even though they were in man-to-man and there was a lot of pressure on them, they executed, and I think we're very confident in the DBs going forward. Right. The training wheels are going to be on this defense for a couple weeks, for sure, before we start to see the really complex stuff that yeah. gets thrown You sound out. like Dino there with a little yeah. reference uh, to the training man, the, wheels. <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm getting like, maybe I had some excuse juice this morning for breakfast. I don't uh, know, no. but like, it's it's... It's in my veins now, Tim. It's all over. Like the 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 tap is leaking. Okay, that, that's yeah, what's happening. I can just hear him saying that training wheels. <laughs> yeah, He'll probably say it in the next presser. Gosh. <laughs> so while the big plays, I think Syracuse did a pretty good job. There were a couple game breakers that that got out there, but for the most part, they did a pretty good job of limiting those big plays. It's just the medium plays, and I brought this up yesterday with the third down stuff. Yeah, UNC was 5 of 13. The average distance to go was 8.4 on those third downs. But they were also picking up 7.9 yards per play on those third downs. So when it, when I hear that, it's just those medium plays. And it felt like UNC, when they were running the ball, or even if there were short passes, it was pitch and catch, it was hand the ball off, and you were falling forward and gaining at least five. And you're not going to win football games defensively, especially in, with the way that uh, the defense played in that fourth quarter. And again... The fourth quarter, I think you chalk it up more towards fatigue and lack of depth because the tackling got sloppy, and we know that behind those front, those starting 11, and even in some of the starting 11, there aren't a ton of great tacklers, and there's a lot of people that are young and need to prove themselves. And it was just not a, a really good showcase on that part. And it felt like, when I was watching this, and this was particularly prevalent in the fourth quarter, it felt like there were a lot of guys that did just didn't want to be the ones that made the tackle. They wanted to be around the play, it felt like. It was so when you go to to watch tape, you're okay, you were around the play. You you were hustling. It made it seem like you were getting there, but it didn't feel like there were a lot of guys that wanted to be the guy that actually made the tackle. And that's a problem. You you yeah. need to have guys that want to step up. And again, maybe that's fatigue, who knows. But the this team, they they need to do some sort of conditioning or like these guys and I think this is probably a trend across college football, the NFL, and I'm sure we'll see it in high school, that a lot of these guys are going to crumble in these fourth quarters this year. So you could be opening the doors to some sort of comebacks, or you can be opening the door to <laughs> seeing some blowouts across football this entire season. All right, we'll take one last break. Then when we come back, we get into some big recruiting news. Big commitment from Aronde Gadsden, the wide receiver. We'll tell you all about him next. All right, so now some very positive news to to wrap up the podcast. The commitment that came in yesterday for Aronde Gadsden, who is a very solid wide receiver. Yes, I know. His dad was, for those, maybe that name strikes a bell, his dad played for the Dolphins, had a very nice career with the Dolphins. I think think he was was, with the Steelers and Cowboys a little bit too, so. Yeah, yeah, I think he was with Dan Marino's Dolphins was, from sort of reading. You know, now that you say bit. that, I think there's some sort of trivia question out there regarding him and Dan Marino. Let me look this up real Probably. quick. You, you talk amongst yourself for a little bit while okay. I look this up. All right. Well, 
it seems like his son, who is coming to Syracuse, has a similar type of skill set. 6'4", 190. He is from Florida. His dad coached him a little bit. Comes from a pretty good program down in Florida. And he's not quite a four-star, but Syracuse was in high competition with a lot of strong Power 5 offers. It's another example of Syracuse reeling in a good late ad in this cycle that continues to be one of the better cycles, 2021, that we've seen really in the Dino era. So just to give you the offer sheet, we've got Arizona State was kind of in the mix at the end there, Penn State as well, and USF. That was sort of his top four, those three other schools. And then also a West Virginia offer, Georgia Tech out of the ACC. You had Baylor, Indiana, UCF, which obviously he is a Florida guy. So Syracuse continues to, to go down south and pull in some Florida guys, which is good to see. All right, so the trivia answer I got for you here, he caught... Did I buy enough time there? Are you, you ready? You bought me plenty of time <laughs> there. He caught Dan Marino's last touchdown pass. So how about that? Oh, that's cool. Um, that's awesome. But anyway, getting into Gadsden, I think, yeah, this is this is a guy who, again, we saw at the onset of creating this class of 2021. Very defensive focus. We saw a lot of defensive linemen, some linebackers, a couple of defensive backs sprinkled in here and there. But now we're seeing them start to craft the offense. And that's what's important, I think, for this team. And especially when you look at, you want to have chemistry with the guys in your class too. I mean, look at look at some of the the targets that Justin Lampson is going to be given. You're talking about a guy like Gadsden. You've got Omari Hatcher. You've got... Um, Landon Morris. Landon Morris. Yeah, that's the name that was evading me. You've got those type of guys that you're putting around Justin Lampson. Chemistry has kind of been an issue this year, and we've seen it between Taj and, and Tommy DeVito and, and a lot of the other receivers, too. Feels like not everyone's on the same page when really they How should be. How about Anthony Quealy? We forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah. He, uh, we were doing some social Sherlocking. Should we bring that up now? On yeah. The Anthony no, Quilly we should. Thing? Yeah. So... I obviously I tweet we mentioned it yesterday. I tweeted out some film room stuff about DeVito and from my personal account at Tim underscore Leonard Four. And uh DeVito, I was bashing DeVito a little bit, but we laid that out yesterday. And Queely went and followed me on Twitter today and then also liked two of my tweets. One in particular was uh some screenshots of him getting open on that deep ball that DeVito overshot him by about five yards right before the half. And then the other one was DeVito on an inaccurate pass to Taj Harris that I sort of laid out with some photos over the middle. And Quayley liked two of those tweets. He liked both hmm. of those and followed me. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll just leave it at that. But Noted there film is room expert there. Tim Leonard. Um, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're creating the drama now. I mean, didn't you create the drama with Dior too? You're just an instigator uh, at this point. Nah, you're you're I mean, tearing that's... apart. You are tearing apart relationships in the three one five right now. But that 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 Dior thing was blown out of proportion. He uh, <laughs> that was we don't have to get though. into it. Yeah, no, but no, yeah, fun Tim times Leonard, on that front too. Um, so I did no, give Quilly a creator of, too. of turmoil. I, I think I think he deserves that. I, I was I was proud to say that he followed me first and then I followed him back. So yeah. So now a no, Quilly's a, a great guy though. I remember before. talking to him around when he committed. Um, and he was he was a really cool guy. But yeah. getting back to Gadsden, um, right now you're looking at four of your top seven guys in the rankings are on the offensive side of the ball. But I'm guessing Gadsden, whether or not he – well, it looks like he is getting his season this year. And 
I think that when he starts playing, he's probably going to bump up. And maybe now that the commitment's official too, usually you see guys take a little bit of a rise as well because they start to dive into their games a little bit more on those recruiting sites. So four of your top five guys, I would say, right now are on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that's a good thing because this offense is what needs to bolster up. We've seen the offensive struggles on full display this year as well as the year before that. But the offense needs to get better. I think the defense is going to figure itself out and you're going to have a little more clout in the recruiting trail because you could be looking at three or four years in a row where you're going to have a defensive guy drafted because you had Alton Robinson a year ago. You had, I mean, what was it, two years or three years ago, rather, Zaire Franklin got drafted. Um, you've got captain this upcoming Zaire year. Franklin. Yep, noted captain, NFL captain, Syracuse captain, Zaire Franklin. Uh, this upcoming year, you're going to have Andre Sisco get drafted. Then this also this year, you could have Trill Williams or Fatsu Melifanu get drafted. If, if not this year, probably in the next year or, or two years down the line, they will be uh, have their name called in the NFL draft. And then just the way that things have been trending, you'd imagine one or two other guys down the road are probably also going to get drafted. So that's something that you can tout in recruiting with the defensive side of the ball say hey we took these guys they were three star products or they were low four star products and we turned them into nfl caliber talent i think that's going to be something really powerful on the trail on the defensive side of the ball offensively you can't say that i mean i'm trying to think right now i don't think anyone under dino babers in this in the current since he took over as the head coach of Syracuse. Well, Jarv and Abdul Adams think they're getting drafted. Well, yeah. Right. How how could I forget, Tim? Um, right. But They're preparing for the draft, Tyler. Exactly. Remember? So may, maybe they will have something. Running back you? Could we have two running backs drafted this year? I don't know. But mm, I don't think we'll, so. We'll, um, that, that's something that I think is worth mentioning, too, is the defensive side of the ball, I think, is going to kind of sell itself over these next si- couple of years. Now, Dino's got to show, okay, I've got an offensive system, it works, and I want you a part of it, and I think it's guys like Gadsden and, and Hatcher and, and Landon Morris and, and Justin Lampson. You're going to have to build around those pieces and, and show that, okay, this is what happens when my offense works. This is what happens when things are going well. And that's something that we're going to have to see out of this Syracuse team on the offensive side of recruiting. And also props to Nick Monroe. A lot of those guys that you mentioned that are headed maybe to the NFL defensively, he was the primary recruiter for them down in Florida. He was the primary recruiter here for Gadsden. Does he have a timeshare down there? Like he's got to at this point. Yeah, he's been awesome. How about that? Like he's just proving again that he is such an asset to this program right now because they've had some down cycles. And without him, I am honestly a little worried to think what it would have been like. And I like that they brought in chip West and, and hopefully Monroe continues to stay with this program because he's been huge for them. But I think that'll, that'll do it for today's episode. We will be back tomorrow. We're here with you every single weekday on the locked on Syracuse podcast, Monday through Friday. We'll start to get ready for Pitt at some point during this week, give our predictions, do our prop shop, and really dig into the X's and O's of that matchup. So feel free to subscribe. You can get in your podcast every single morning as we get cracking here on football season. But that'll do it for today. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.